Yes, sir. The New Jersey Devils continue their off-season assault on making sure that next year is a repeat of the level of regular season success they had returning Timo Meyer on a long-term deal. We dive in on the details and what it means all coming up next. Devil's Puck Luck Podcast, where, of course, as always, I am Adam Armbrecht, holding it down solo here uh, during the week as news continues to break. It's officially draft day. The Devils will not be selecting in the first round, and that's okay because they're making headlines in all the other right ways that the what we want them to, obviously. Make sure, by the way, if you're not subscribing over on YouTube to do so, get us on your podcast feeds as well and head over to Twitter where NJ Devils PL is the handle for the show. You can also follow myself at Adam Armbrecht and Danny McDonough at Danny the face because he's been doing a heck of a job over there. Even if you don't see him here, he's doing a great job over there, making sure to be on top of all the updates. Thankfully, I get to be the man at the uh, helm here to discuss Timo Meyer and his return. So unlike uh, when we talked about going and getting to Foley and and even Eric Halla and his contract extension, right? All these other things, Jesper Bratt, there was some level of curiosity around what this season was going to look like. But we said at the time of the trade in season with the San Jose Sharks that brought Timo Meyer over to the New Jersey Devils, that this had to be, you felt like, as close to a must-have signing in the offseason, making sure that you brought Timo back because otherwise – you made this in-season move that we talked about at the time. It didn't seismically shift how deep we thought the playoff run might be. It certainly changed the ability to be more competitive. It changed the ability to be more physical, right? All the things that we like about Timo. But, and and listen, his physicality in that Ranger series played a pivotal role, right? So there's the world where without making the trade for Timo, the Devils do not get out of that first round playoff series. So that in and of itself was worth going and making the move to make sure that you secure the playoff spot and you get one heck of a, of a series victory over your rival Rangers. But now you fast forward to this offseason and you look at Timo and you look at the additions that Fitzgerald is making this offseason, knowing that the draft is not going to be where we focused in the short term. It really did become foregone conclusion territory, as we say, to make sure that you had Timo back and you put them right into that back into that rotation there alongside all of your key young players and some new arriving veterans to ensure that this upcoming season is going to have all of the expectations of last year and then obviously elevated significantly based on this previous performance from this group. Came over, did Timo, had 77 uh, games the year prior with San Jose where he was a 76-point scorer. Now, Fast forward the following season, 57 games with San Jose before being traded to New Jersey, 21 games, nine goals, five assists, 14 points over the back end of the season before going into the playoffs. He was in totality a 66-point scorer this past year between those two rosters. We talked a lot about him fitting in early on, finding what his, his niche was going to be. We talked about Lindy Ruff, who even before Timo came in, 
was a coach that liked to do some experimenting, right? He liked to shuffle around his lines, give some different looks, and potentially, potentially be willing to risk a game loss here or there to try to figure out the right combinations that were going to work so well together. The official details of this uh, contract, by the way, eight-year extension, which you absolutely have to love um, for Timo. It feels like it falls right in line with so much of the other um, contracts that we've seen given out at this point. And then you go the layer deeper, $70.4 million. So an average AA, an AAV, excuse me, that's average in there, not AAA, of $8.8 million. I have not seen yet, though I'm sure it will come out if it hasn't already, that the full scope of how that contract is constructed is constructed because the one interesting thing, as we said before, the way in which some of this money gets kind of compartmentalized affords the ability years from now, three, four five years from now, whether it's with Jesper Bratt, whether it's with Toffoli, whether it's with a guy like Timo Meyer to still afford the organization, some ability to trade away a valuable player, a veteran, and retool a little bit on the fly. So Timo Meyer backed on that average 8.8 annual. And if we go over and take a look just at large years, we're running live on YouTube for anybody listening to us on the podcast feed. Again, make sure if you want to hang out and enjoy the conversation that much sooner, head over to YouTube and subscribe to that channel. Share with your friends, by the way. And feel free to get in on the conversation, obviously, here as we'll uh, highlight some live uh, comments should anyone come across there. And whoop, let me take that one down there. And let's want to go ahead and take a look at the devil's cap room as it's currently constructed, where they stand now and where some of these contracts stand right now. Because I think that, again, this just goes further down that road of how good Fitzgerald has been in, constr- in drafting, in acquiring, in constructing a roster that's going to afford them to stay competitive in the short and long term. So we say, we have right now Timo Meyer. Let's see if they've posted this up here in terms of the breakdown just yet. They, in fact, have done so. So coming up here, it looks like, at least as of right now, it's being reported as a straight 8.8 across the board. And you can look into the future in 28-29, where he ends up occupying 35% of the of the cap because the net, the Giants, the, I went through everybody, the Nets, the Giants, the Devils do not have contracts listed that far out. But all the way up to, so when we get down to the base salary number and signing bonus numbers, that's where things pivot a little bit. Six in year one with a $6 million signing bonus goes down, de-escalating 5.3, for a couple of seasons, and then balloons back up in the base salary when we talk about $3.9 million in 29.30 and seven point two in 2030-31, which will include no signing bonus at all. So $35.2 million in total signing bonus here, and obviously an unrestricted free agent in 2031. Now, if we back this out a little bit and talk about the other player that got his contract taken care of this offseason, and that's going to be so actually, yeah, I'm going to make sure these numbers end up coming out here because right now over on spot track, they're just listing. So we can go by base salary again for Jesper Bratt. He'll be here through the 2930 season where he'll make just 2.1 in base salary and 4.5 in signing bonus. Um, so the base salary de-escalates over the life of that contract, but that's a descending number overall in terms of cap hit as well. So as we take a look at the flexibility it provides for the New Jersey Devils, let's just stay focused on what it means in the short term. When we look 
at this Devils roster now, and including bringing in another veteran into Foley to add into the mix here. I'll be very curious to see, and Danny and I will break this down. You can say there's foregone conclusions about who's line number one and who's line number two, but I think there will be certainly a level of flexibility around the Devils and trying to figure out the right combination is. I say that for two reasons. One, because Lindy Ruff has proven that that's what he does. <laughs> He's going to want to be flexible around it. The other reason why is because what is the impact of bringing into Foley to this group and who is he going to tandem with well? Where is he going to play the best? Then you can even go a layer deeper onto the defensive side where we know Luke Hughes finally steps in and makes his debut at the back end of the season uh, into the playoffs, obviously. And he is going to be there with a much more predominant role going forward for this team. Uh, Nemec, where is he going to fit into this mix here, right? So inside of that defensive group, you're going to have two new names and two new potential roles here that are going to have to get sorted out. Then when we think about, the, obviously, the wings here, Bastion, Clark, Holtz, Meyer, Thompson, Toffoli right now, all listed on this roster here. Remember, we highlighted Toffoli as being a player that has that great a face-off win percentage over the last couple of seasons for himself, which is always nice to put into the mix for a team that wants to be able to, one, control the puck in the final zone, and two, be able to dominate even on potential penalty kill situations, whether or not he's going to be a part of those out of necessity, just knowing that you have a guy that you can stick out there and win some of those face-offs as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how this hierarchy shakes out here. But Timo... Going back to his stat lines for just a minute here, I really do feel like as we have to scroll back to some other guys, like Tomas Tatar, like Miles Wood, names you may want to just remember who potentially um, are not going to be long for this team, and, and those are two players that Danny and I will talk about in greater detail. Let's go by the game log here for Timo Meyer, right? Because we talk about the postseason. So I thought I was going to sneeze, but I didn't. It's the emotions getting to me of bringing back Timo Meyer. When we look at, oh, baby, fly. Oh, my God. That's how that happens. Uh, when we take a look, excuse me. When we take a look at his performance in the playoffs, first and foremost, had a goal or an assist in the final three games of the series against the Hurricanes. Obviously, uh, a four-game disappointing letdown there. But across that series with the Rangers, remember, we looked at it and said, not necessarily making, quote, impact plays. When you look across the plus minus, no goals, the assists, et cetera. But the physicality that was required of him in that series and in general in the playoffs and down the stretch of the season, I think shifts a little bit where the expectations lie for what you wanted him to be able to do. So across those two series, a seven game and a four, so 11 total games, he walked away with two goals and two assisted, all that in the Hurricane series, obviously. But down the back end of the regular season as well, there were some stagnated performances from him looking through and going back to that monster win over the Blue Jackets, that 8-1 victory. Two goals and an assist, a three-point performance for him there. He only had one, two, three, yep, three performances of two points or more in the games with the New Jersey Devils after coming over with that trade. That is what I think would you would call a blip, not a trend for him coming into year number two. I expect the way in which he's able to physically play on the offensive end going into next season, having a full off season to get on the same page with some of the young players is going to dramatically change how we perceive him as an offensive weapon. 
On top of that, too, and this isn't a, a Jack Hughes podcast, but remember, Jack Hughes is the guy. He's the man for this team, right? And also, he's a player that we know, and Danny and I talked about this on the podcast down the stretch of the regular season. When he gets that puck on his stick, it can lead to some absolutely beautiful moments, some dominant moments, and it can lead to some moments where you scratch your head a little bit, where you express a little bit of frustration. That's a part of having a talent like that, right? You'll live with some of that. But I expect Jack Hughes to continue to refine his game and to continue to refine the way he is when he gets that puck on a stick and he takes two zones at a clip. I want to see him with his head up, and I want to see Timo, if they get paired together, finding that right pocket, making himself available, being physical in front of the goal, creating that traffic so that Jack Hughes has some easy access to put some on the pipes and hopefully in the back of the net. It's hard to complain about a guy that had 99 points in the regular season, obviously. But these little tweaks, these are the things that are going to be the difference for the New Jersey Devils overall and going from being a team that made the playoffs, that was surprising, that beat the Rangers, to getting out of round number two to putting pressure on getting into the conference finals, to make that push, to get across the line when it comes to getting to, and hopefully, knock on wood, winning a Stanley Cup. Now, the other thing that I'll just tie into this, and I think we talked about it a little bit um, in a couple of our other episodes. I may, have, I may have talked about it with Tyler Toffoli yesterday as well. Now, we knew that this one was coming. At least we assumed that the Timo Meyer signing was going to be as about locked in as you could possibly think it would be. Um, but I do wonder what happens next year. One piece of information we didn't cover. It wasn't breaking news worthy. Uh, Blackwood obviously have parted ways, moved on from him. That that doesn't surprise anybody. And Danny and I will talk about, yeah, you don't have a first round pick. You have second and uh, what, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks in this upcoming draft. Do you look to another goalie prospect that you want to try to develop or does the retention of Timo Meyer and the addition of Toffoli are we entering the territory where we say the Devils need to go get that goaltender they need to go elevate the play between the pipes for sure the other day actually we haven't had a chance to post these up I'll post up the conversation Danny and I had about the play between the pipes and the difference between pursuing or not pursuing a goaltender on the market uh, through via trade and also we had the discussion around the power rankings so go check those out when those debut but there's been too much news uh, around the draft for the new jersey devils to not come in with these updates uh, the question i have and get it in the comments we'll ask it over on twitter as well does Toffoli and and bringing back brat which we, we, we thought was going to happen but bring back timo which we knew was going to happen does that Toffoli addition make you look and go now go get the goalie because the difference between waiting and Danny and I, uh, you'll hear this waiting and seeing how it starts out with Akira Schmid with VTech, that can be fine. But if you get to the deadline, it's going to look different in terms of where you go to try to upgrade the goalie position. I.e., maybe you're not going to be able to, I have confidence or I at least am excited about the development of Akira Schmid and saying, Hey, let's see how that goes. I am confident in VTech as a solid plus regular season goalie. We can ask real questions about his postseason performances, obviously. 
But I think we also ask plenty of questions about the defense in front of him, right? The consistency of this roster when it came to playoff hockey and feeling like you had all those pieces in place to be a successful night in, night out team when it came to those opportunities. So all of this to say, the Devils are checking the boxes we wanted them to. They're checking some surprising boxes that we maybe noodled on. How far do we go here? What does Timo Meyer need to grow on here when we look at where he came from this past season, specifically with the Devils, to where we want him to be next year? One last look before we move off of the eight-year, $70.4 million, 8.8 AAV contract extension for Timo Meyer. The foregone conclusion that we assumed would be a part of GM Fitzgerald's off-season agenda. Let's just remember. That with New Jersey, if we extrapolated this out, it's basically a quarter of the season sample size, a little bit more. You'd be talking about, it's like, you know, we had our frustrations with him and the team trying to sort it out when he first came over. You'd be talking about a guy that would be on pace for 30 plus goals. Going to be on pace for 20 plus assists. Want that number to be a little bit bigger, I would say, comfortably. Right. And is good, you know, is going to put on the kind of performance that falls closer in line with being a 60, 70 point scorer, being a top four or five point scorer on your roster, right? We know the hierarchy when we look at this team overall, and we discussed this yesterday as well with Defolian, where he fit into this hierarchy. You go over and you take a look at the points, you go ahead and you pull it out of the postseason, like I did yesterday. Regular season point totals, right? If it chooses to update it, we'll see. 99 for Hughes, 80 for Heischer, 74 for Hamilton. This is right where you get into that Toffoli kind of line now. And then you start to think about Timo Meyer plugging in as another 70-plus point scorer on the season. You get Dawson Mercer, who I said yesterday, we are going to talk about at length and where his game needs to go next. Tomas Tatar could be gone from this, right? Sharon Govich is gone from this. 70 points combined out, but now you're talking about having 70-point performers inside of one single player. So how they fill things out over the rest of this offseason is going to be fascinating to watch. Bottom line is, this is the right time to be in on what the Devils are trying to accomplish. They've identified the veterans that they want to be a part of the blend with the youth movement they have. Now it's about seeing these guys get out on the ice together over the course of this offseason, getting excited about those combinations, and hopefully, with a couple more moves to get made here, having a very clear vision of what this team is from day one of the upcoming season. And then it's about the long 82-game journey of refining, improving, and growing as a cohesive unit. Going to feel different than this past year. What up to Andrew Timoni in the conversation? Who comes in late, but we still appreciate him. The bottom line is the Devils are going to, it's not going to be about a surprising season, right? It's not going to be about some surprising performances. It's going to be about consistency this upcoming season. Some young guys are going to have to elevate. Some veterans are going to have to confirm that they are capable of having that consistency on a night-in, night-out basis. And bringing back Timo Meyer was just a box that had to be checked. We all understood that, so it's not a surprise. But it is going to be something that we expect this team to now solidify around. Honestly, wondering what my thoughts are from Andrew Timoni on Hollabuck. Uh, I really think we get him. Fitz isn't messing around. That is you know, what we talked about, and we'll close out on this. Danny and I have had these conversations around don't allow what was a great season 
you surprised a lot of people, maybe even yourselves, and allow that to warp what the timeline and agenda was for the Devils over the next couple of seasons. Nothing dramatically has changed from that for me, but when you go and get a player like Toffoli, again, I, I think you're only one step away from saying, what does it take to go put the lockdown number one high-profile goaltender between the pipes. Because if you do that, we said, what is the expectations for the upcoming season? You want more consistency, right? We don't want those big swings in terms of long losing streaks, consistent night-overnight performances. But then when you get to the playoffs, what would we be banking on going into next season? We'd be saying, can Akira Schmidt continue to develop and grow? Presumably, if you want to elevate playoff expectations, you want him to overtake VTech. Because Vitek has proven himself to be a great regular season goaltender, but not necessarily ready for playoff hockey. So you're either banking on a young player like Akira Schmidt taking that next step forward, which is possible, or you're going and getting a proven commodity. And if you do that, then I think we have to start changing our, our barometer of what the expectations are over the next two to three years for this roster. Because every year that the young players get older is another year they should develop, they should refine, they should improve talked about jack hughes earlier he needs to be everything that he was this year and then even sharper and even more crisp we talked about dawson mercer he's going to need to step up and continue to improve his game there are other players like jesper bratt now with that contract he's going to have to continue to perform at a high level 70 point performer this past season with 32 goals and 41 assists that type of balance is needed game over game from a player like that veterans like holla right so th there's guys that we can look at on this roster and really start to pick out. And one of my fan favorite for me watching, especially over the second half of the season and into those playoffs, Mikey McLeod to me was just such a joy to watch um, over the back end of this season into the playoffs. And it's funny. I read a couple articles about what the, the Devils need to accomplish in, in the in the draft and naming some players that you can't rely on or getting older, inconsistent. I think, to me, McLeod is a guy that I'm ecstatic to watch because I actually think he did something that opened eyes for the fan base, opened eyes for the organization. When it mattered most, he played some of his best hockey. So now I look for him to elevate. And if that means pushing a couple of guys aside, if that means that it also opened your eyes to who was not performing good enough for you to be a deep playoff run hockey team, so be it. Like, you know, if that's the gear you're going to push to here and you're Fitzgerald, who has pushed almost every right button, if not every right button for this franchise, that's the way that we got to go. That being the case, quick update here. I think I did, ooh, just about 22 minutes. I think I covered just about the same amount of ground yesterday with Toffoli. Danny and I will be back, I think, tomorrow. So we will rehash. We'll get his take on where he feels about these recent moves. Obviously, the contracts are exciting. The numbers are right where we wanted them to be. The Devils are not going to be hamstrung going forward by any of the decisions they made this offseason, short of knowing exactly what they have. Don't have to worry entering the draft here about any question marks regarding Timo Meyer, the contract, the negotiations. Nope, all done in the books, put it to bed. So um, the bottom line is, Danny and I will come back tomorrow. I'll ask him, Does this? where do you elevate expectations? And we'll tap back into that conversation about the goaltending. Because as soon as you start to say that this is a team that you want to see pushing towards the conference finals, then that means you're you're trying to push towards the Stanley Cup, right? Because once you're there, nobody wants to go home at the end of the Eastern Conference and say, we came so close and next year will be another year. So maybe the Devils are at that kind of all-in push point. And as of right now, 
they can still afford to do that without over committing, without over leveraging themselves. That's the beauty of this. They can be highly competitive and look for those deep runs now and still know that their young core is going to be in place two, three, and four years down the line. Shout out to Morgan, who came in here at the back end as well. Last year opened, uh, I can't even throw this up. I chose not to uh, throw up any of any of uh, <laughs> Andrew Timoni's comments, but I'll throw up Morgan. Last year opened the contention window. Now is time to start going for it. Hullabuck makes us an all-star team at every position. Yeah, and again, so that's the debate, right? What would the cost be there? What would an, uh, you know, how's it going to look from a contract extension standpoint? Because he only has the year left. So how are you going to treat that going forward as well? Fascinating questions that we'll certainly dive into. And I'll even throw this up. It was great use of barometer, which I think is really important. So we will, uh, we'll be back in. We'll continue to break down the New Jersey Devils offseason from a Devils um, draft coverage standpoint. They don't have any picks tonight, but we will come in tomorrow. Like I said, we'll talk about what the Devils do across this draft the different mentality and approach that they're taking now to the draft with the way the roster has been constructed and with the success that they've had. It's been a while since the Devils entered a draft and didn't feel like, listen, we'll take talent anywhere that we can get it. They can now kind of strategically think about what players and positional value do we want to pursue so we, again, prepare for the future beyond what looks like as was mentioned there by Morgan, a window that has now been opened in the Eastern Conference for the New Jersey Devils. Let's see if they walk fully through it and make another big splash. You go ahead. You go ahead, all of you. You go over to Twitter, and you're going to give a follow to NJ Devils PL. That's the official handle of the show. You're going to give a follow to at Adam Arbeck. That's me. You're going to give a follow to at Danny the Face. That is Danny McDonough. So you know we're getting all those updates out to you. Again, appreciate you. Follow us on YouTube. Follow us on uh, Instagram. Danny's doing some work over there as well. And get us on the podcast. Until next time, guys. Oh, what do we think? Might be Timo time as the New Jersey Devils continue their impressive offseason. We'll catch you next time right here on the Devils Puck Luck Podcast.